Chapter Five, Part One of the Metamorphosis or Golden Ass. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ted Garvin. The Metamorphosis or Golden Ass by Puleus, translated by Thomas Taylor. Chapter Five, Part One. Psyche, therefore, agreeably reclining in the flowery valley on a bed of dewy grass, the mighty perturbation of her mind being appeased, enjoyed delightful repose. And, being now sufficiently refreshed with sleep, she rose with a more composed mind, and saw a grove, thick planted with vast and lofty trees, and a fountain in the middle of the grove, gently falling with glassy water. Near the lapse of the fountain there was a royal house, which was not raised by human, but by divine hands and art. You might know, from the very entrance of the palace, that you beheld the splendid and pleasant residence of a god. For the lofty ceilings, which were curiously arched with citron wood and ivory, were supported by golden pillars, and all the walls were ornamented, in every part, with silver carving, beasts of various kinds presenting themselves to the view, in the vestibule of the palace. Wonderful was the man, indeed, and endued with prodigious skill, or rather it was some demigod or god who fashioned the silver carving with such exquisite subtlety of art. But the very pavement itself consisted of small shells, admirably decorated with pictures of various kinds. Blessed, thrice blessed, are those who tread on gems and bracelets. The other parts, too, of this wide extended and regularly disposed palace were precious, beyond all price, and the walls being everywhere strengthened with bars of gold, were so refulgent with their own splendor, that, even in the absence of the sun, they made for the palace a day of its own. So bright were the bedchambers, the porches, and the folding doors. The furniture, too, was answerable to the majesty of this abode, so that it might very properly be considered as a celestial palace, built by mighty Jupiter, for his correspondence with mankind. Psyche, invited by the delightful aspect of the place, approached to it, and assuming a little more confidence, entered within the threshold of the place. Presently after, being allured by the charms of the beautiful vision, everything she surveyed filled her with admiration, and in the more elevated part of the house she beheld a magnificent repository, in which immense riches were contained. Indeed, there is not anything in this universe with which this place is not replete. But amidst the admiration which such prodigious wealth excited, this was particularly wonderful, that this treasury of the whole world was not secured by any bars, or doors, or guards. Here, while the eyes of Psyche were ravished with delight, a voice, denuded of its body, thus addressed her. And why, my mistress, it said, are you astonished at such vast riches? All these are yours. Betake yourself, therefore, to your bedchamber, and refresh your wearied limbs on the bed. And when you think proper, repair to the bath. For we, whose voices you now hear, are your servants, who will diligently administer to all your commands, and while we wait on your person, prepare royal banquets for your repast. Psyche perceived the goodness of divine providence, and complying with the admonitions of the incorporeal voices, first refreshed herself with sleep, and afterwards with the bath. Immediately, too, perceiving in an adjacent semicircular building, near an elevated seat, every apparatus requisite for supper, she willingly reclined herself, considering this place as accommodated to her refreshment, and instantly nectarious wines, and numerous dishes of various kinds of food, were served in, without any visible attendance, by the mere impulse of a certain spirit. 
Psyche, at the same time, perceiving no one, but alone hearing certain words, and having voices alone for her servants. After the table was furnished with this splendid banquet, a certain person entered and sang, without being seen. At the same time an invisible musician played on the harp, and last of all her ears were ravished with a full chorus from an invisible band. After these pleasures were finished, the evening now persuading to repose, Psyche retired to her bed, and when the night was far advanced, a certain gentle sound approached her ears. Then, fearing for her virginity, on account of the profound solitude of the place, she trembles, and is filled with horror, and dreads that of which she is ignorant beyond any calamity. And now her unknown husband approached, ascended the bed, made her his wife, and hastily left her before the rising of the morning light. Immediately the attendant voices, who were the ministers of the bedchamber, took care of everything necessary on the occasion. This course was continued for a long time. The novelty, by its constant repetition, as it was natural it should, became at last delightful, and the sound of the uncertain voices was the solace of her solitude. In the meantime the parents of Psyche grew old in unwearied sorrow and lamentation, and the report of her destiny becoming more widely extended, her elder sisters came to know all the particulars respecting it, and immediately, being overwhelmed with sorrow, hastened to the presence of their afflicted parents. On that very night the husband of Psyche thus addressed her, for the hands and the ears were the only media of their present communication. Most charming Psyche, and dear wife, more cruel fortune now threatens thee with a deadly danger, which, I think, ought to be guarded against with the utmost attention. For now your sisters, who are disturbed through the belief of your death, in consequence of endeavouring to discover the place of your abode, will soon arrive at the rock on which you were lately exposed. If you should chance to hear any of their lamentations, neither make them any reply, nor even turn your eyes towards them. For by doing otherwise, you will be the cause of the greatest grief to me, and of extreme destruction to yourself. Psyche assented, and promised that she would act agreeably to her husband's desire. But as soon as he, together with the knight, were fled, the most miserable Psyche consumed the whole day in tears and lamentations, exclaiming that she was now entirely lost, since, securely confined in a blessed prison, she was deprived of human conversation, and not permitted to give salutary assistance to her sorrowing sisters, nor even so much as to see them. Neither refreshing herself, therefore, with the bath, nor with food, but weeping abundantly, she retired to rest. But her husband, coming more early than usual, and embracing her weeping, thus expostulated with her. Is this, my Psyche, what you promised me? What can I, your husband, now expect from you? What can I now hope for, since neither by day nor by night, nor even in the midst of our conjugal embraces, you cease to be tormented with grief? But come, act now as you please, and comply with the pernicious desires of your soul. However, when you begin too late to repent of your folly, call to mind my serious admonitions. Psyche, after this, had recourse to prayers, and while she threatens that she shall die if her request is denied, extorts from her husband permission to see her sisters, to assuage their grief and enjoy their conversation. Thus he pardoned the entreaties of his new wife, and permitted her, besides, to present her sisters with as much gold and as many jewels as she pleased. But he again, and repeatedly admonished her, with the utmost earnestness, not to be persuaded, by their pernicious advice, to inquire concerning the form of her husband, nor by a sacrilegious curiosity hurl herself from such an exalted fortune, and by this means deprive herself of his embraces. She thanked her husband for his indulgence, and becoming in consequence of it more joyful, but, says she, 
may i suffer death a hundred times rather than be deprived of thy most pleasing embraces for i love thee most vehemently thee whoever thou art even as i love my own soul nor would i compare thee to cupid himself but this also i beseech you grant to my prayers that your servant zephyr may convey my sorrowful sisters in the same manner in which he brought me hither then pressing his lips with persuasive kisses murmuring alluring words and fondly folding him in her arms she thus addressed him in soothing accents my dear husband sweet soul of thy psyche be not averse to my request the husband vanquished by the power of venus reluctantly gave his consent and promised that all things should be accomplished according to her desire and afterwards in consequence of the approach of morning vanished from the arms of his wife but the sisters having inquired their way arrived in haste at the lofty rock on which psyche was left abandoned and there wept and beat their breasts till the rocks resounded with their repeated lamentations and now they called on their miserable sister by her proper name till the spreading sound of their mournful voices gliding down the declivities of the mountain reached the ears of psyche who distracted and trembling ran out of her palace and thus addressed them why do you in vain afflict yourself with miserable lamentations i whom you deplore am now present cease therefore your complaints and at length dry up those tears which you have so long shed for my loss since you may now embrace her whom you have so vehemently mourned then calling zephyr she acquaints him with her husband's commands who entirely obedient to the mandate of cupid brought them borne on the most gentle gales in safety to psyche now they embrace and are embraced and mingle their mutual caresses with frequent and hasty kisses and the joy of finding her alive after they had considered her as dead soon put a period to their lamentations and tears but come said psyche enter with me into my house and recreate your afflicted mind with your psyche having thus spoken she led them into her golden palace brought their ears acquainted with the populous family of voices that were subservient to her commands and sumptuously refreshed them in a most beautiful bath and with the delicacies of her immortal table but as soon as her sisters were satiated with this affluence of celestial riches they began to nourish envy profoundly in their hearts and at last one of them with a very particular and curious importunity inquired who was the master of these celestial possessions and who and what sort of person her husband was psyche however by no means violated her husband's injunctions or suffered them to depart from the secret recesses of her bosom but devising an answer adapted to the occasion told them that he was a beautiful youth whose cheeks were yet only shadowed with down and that he was for the most part occupied in rural enjoyments and in hunting on the mountains unless by any slip in the course of her conversation she should betray the secret advice having loaded them with rich presents of gold and jewels she called zephyr and ordered him to carry them to the lofty rock this being immediately accomplished these admirable sisters as they were returning home burning with the rancor of increasing envy discoursed much with each other and at last one of them thus began do but take notice how blind cruel and unjust fortune has proved were you my sister pleased to find that we though born of the same parents should maintain such a different rank in life we who are elder are delivered over to be servants to husbands in a foreign country far exiled from our native land and parents but this youngest sister the offspring of exhausted vigour is raised to the enjoyment of this prodigious affluence and of a god for her husband though she does not know how to use in a proper manner such an abundance of good you saw sister what a prodigious quantity of bracelets the house contained 
what a number of shining garments what bright gems and what heaps of gold she treads upon in every part of the palace if to all this she possesses a husband so beautiful as she asserts him to be no one in the universe can live a happier life than herself indeed it may happen through long continued association and corroborated affection that her husband who is a god may at length make her a goddess by hercules it must be so for she already conducts herself in a lofty manner and the woman certainly breathes the goddess who has voices for her servants and commands even the winds themselves but i miserable creature am in the first place tied to a husband more aged than my father and in the next place to one who is balder than a gourd and shorter than a pygmy and who secures every part of his house with bolts and chains but i replied the other sister am destined to endure a husband whose body is distorted with an articular disease and though on this account he seldom rewards my pains with conjugal embraces yet i am forced to spend a great part of my time in rubbing his distorted fingers which are almost hardened into stone with fetid fomentations defiling these delicate hands with nasty rags and stinking poultices thus acting the part of a surgeon more than that of a wife you indeed my sister seem to bear all this with a patient or rather servile soul for i will speak what i think without restraint but for my own part i can no longer endure that such a blessed destiny should have fallen to one who does not deserve it but only recollect in what a proud and arrogant manner she behaved towards us by her boasting and immoderate ostentation she betrayed the haughtiness of her swelling mind of her immense riches gave us but a very trifling part and immediately after being weary of our company ordered us to be turned out of doors and to be puffed and hissed away but i am not a woman nor do i breathe if i do not hurl her headlong from such mighty possessions and if her contumely affects you as it ought let us both join in vigorous consultation how we may accomplish this design in order to this let us neither acquaint our parents nor any one else with our intention nor inform them that we know anything of her safety it is sufficient that we ourselves have seen what it repents us to have seen and let us not be the messengers of her happy condition to our parents and the people for those are not properly blessed whose riches no one is acquainted with she shall know that we are not servants but her elder sisters and now indeed let us depart to our husbands and visit our own poor habitations for such they are when compared with her abode and being furnished with more compressed thoughts let us return with greater firmness to the punishment of her pride the two wicked sisters consider this evil advice as good and concealing the precious gifts which they had received from psyche dishevelling their hair tearing their faces with dissembled grief and renewing fictitious tears returned to their parents these however the wounds of whose sorrows they had again opened by their narration they hastily take their leave of big with the madness of envy and return to their own habitations machinating nefarious guile or rather parricide against their innocent sister in the meantime psyche's unknown husband thus again admonished her in his nocturnal discourses do you perceive what a mighty danger fortune is preparing for you at a distance and which unless you are more firmly guarded against than you have hitherto been will soon assault you near at hand those perfidious she-wolves are with mighty endeavors forming base stratagems against you the sum of which is that they may persuade you to explore my countenance which as i have often told you if you once see you will see no more if therefore those worst of sorcerers come again armed with noxious minds and i know they will come 
avoid all discourse with them but if through genuine simplicity and tenderness of disposition you are not able to accomplish this at least be careful not to hear nor answer any inquiries concerning your husband for now we shall have a family of our own and thy as yet infantine womb is pregnant with an offspring which if you conceal my secrets in silence will be divine but if you profane them will be mortal psyche rejoiced in the consoling thoughts of a divine offspring and was elated with the glory which would result from her future pledge and with the dignity of a maternal name she therefore anxiously numbered the increasing days and departing months and being ignorant in everything relative to conception wondered how her wealthy womb could receive such an abundant increase but now those pests and most cruel furies her sisters breathing viperous virulence and hastening their departure sailed with impious celerity then again the momentary husband thus admonished his psyche the last day and the most extreme misfortune are now arrived the malicious sex and hostile blood have taken arms removed their camp drawn the army into battle array and sounded the charge now thy nefarious sisters are aiming with a drawn sword at thy throat alas most dear psyche what mighty calamities now press upon us take pity both on yourself and me and by a religious countenance of tongue deliver your house your husband yourself and our little one from the misfortune of impending ruin neither see nor hear those wicked women who after the deadly hatred which they have conceived against thee and having trampled on the ties of blood deserve not to be called sisters when like the sirens standing on the mountain they shall make the rocks resound with their deadly voices psyche in words interrupted by sighs and tears thus replied you have for some time convincing proofs of my fidelity and taciturnity and the strength of my mind shall be no less approved by you in the present instance only order zephyr to repeat his former office and at least grant me the sight of my sisters since i am not permitted to behold thy sacred image by thy fragrant and every way pendulous locks by thy cheeks tender smooth and like my own by thy breast glowing with i know not what kind of heat by my hopes of at least knowing thy face in this little one i beseech thee to comply with the pious prayers of thy suppliant indulge me in the desired embraces of my sisters and recreate with joy the soul of psyche who is devoted to thy will for then i shall no longer be anxious to explore thy countenance now nothing can hinder me from thy embrace not even the darkness of night for i hold thee my life in my arms the husband being fascinated by these words and by her soft embraces wiped away her tears with these fragrant locks assured her that her desires should be fulfilled and immediately anticipated the light of the emerging day but the two sisters who were confederates in mischief without calling on their parents direct their course with precipitate velocity from the ships to the rock and not waiting for the assistance of the elevating wind leap on high with licentious temerity zephyr however not unmindful of the royal mandate though unwilling to execute it restored them reclining on the bosom of the gently blowing gales to the appointed place then with feet equally rapid they enter the palace concealing the foe under the name of sister embrace their prey and veiling a treasury of profoundly hidden fraud under a joyful countenance thus flattered her psyche not now so slender as you were before since you are now almost a mother what mighty good do you think you bear for us in your womb with what prodigious joy will you exhilarate the whole of our house oh how happy shall we be through the nurture of the golden infant who if he corresponds in beauty as he ought to do to his parents will be born a perfect cupid thus by a disassembled affectation they gradually invade the soul of their sister 
who as soon as they had refreshed themselves from the fatigue of their journey with warm baths regaled them on a couch in a most splendid manner with all the dainties of a royal banquet she ordered a harp to speak and some one immediately sang to its harmony flutes to be blown and they immediately sounded a musical band to sing in chorus and it instantly sang and though invisible ravished the souls of the hearers with the most mellifluous notes but the malice of these wicked women was not softened by the honeyed sweetness of the music but turning their discourse to the destined fraudulent snares they began in a dissembling manner to inquire what sort of a person she was married to and from what family he was descended then she through her too great simplicity having forgot the former account which she had given of her husband invented a new story respecting him she told them that her husband was of the next province that he carried on a trade with abundance of money and that he was now of a middle age a gray hair being that here and there scattered on his head and without prolonging the conversation any further she again committed them to the charge of the winds while she had loaded them with costly presents but while they returned home sublimely riding on the tranquil breath of zephyr they thus discoursed with each other what can we say sister of the monstrous lies of that foolish creature at one time her husband is a young man with the down just beginning to spread over his chin and at another time he is of a middle age shining with hoary hairs who can this be that in a short space of time experiences the alteration of a sudden old age you may depend upon it my sister that this vile woman either forged this lie to deceive us or that she does not herself know the form of her husband but whichever of these is the case she must be deprived of these riches with the utmost expedition indeed if she is really ignorant of the form of her husband she must have married a god and through this pregnancy of hers she will present us with a god however should she happen to be the mother of a divine offspring which heaven forbid i should immediately hang myself let us therefore in the meantime return to our parents and by a well-coloured deceit prevent them from apprehending our design end of chapter five part one